Welcome to Board Builders, the podcast, your resource as a nonprofit governance leader to hear expert insights, explore new ideas, and learn about key concepts in the world of board governance. I'm your host, Matt DeWolf, and with me is co-host Emily Hendershot. Hey, Matt. It's great to be here with you and our listeners. Emily, we have a hot topic today. To meet or not to meet? That is the question. As more cities and states are reopening with restrictions, this question continues to be a complicated one for many, many, many boards. Yeah, we all took dramatic steps in response to COVID-19. So as things are opening in the United States again, um, or really continue to reopen, virtually every nonprofit organization is going to be examining their future in-person events. You might have already had to cancel something these last few months, um, but looking ahead, whether it's an annual meeting, conference, gala, golf outing, workshop, seminar, walks and runs, the list goes on. There is so much to consider. That's right. There's a ton going on and a ton to, to try and think through, especially since some have already had to do that over the last few months. And if you serve on one of those governing boards of a nonprofit organization, you know, what should you be thinking about? What questions should you be asking? What tough decisions should you be prepared to make for future events? That's right. And this really gets more complicated as boards are made up of people. We're right. all bringing in our own perspectives and experiences to the table. And I read this article recently about a church board considering their gatherings and really highlighting how there are probably going to be three types of people at the table who are making decisions for the board or the organization as a whole. And these three people are the cautious, the confident, and the cautiedent. So I'm not sure where you as a listener fall into this, but it's something to really consider that your perspective may be different than your peers. So true. And, you know, you wonder um, what does cautiedent even look like, right? I mean, there's so much to try to unpack in that. But one thing is for sure, people are going to feel differently than they did before this pandemic. You know, this is the time to be talking about future meetings and which in-person meetings are critical to achieving mission. You know, let's let's initiate those discussions with governing boards. And uh, you know, recently I had a chance to talk with a couple of our colleagues uh, on this very topic, of course. Um, so let's uh, let's take a quick listen. First, first things first. Let's, uh, uh, Fitz. Can you just give folks a little bit of a background about who you are and and uh, and where you come from? Sure. I, um, my name is Mark Fitzgerald, or Fitz, as we talked about today. And uh, um, I run a company, own a company called Coach Marketing, and um, half of our company manages non-for-profit professional associations that skews beyond the smaller side that don't necessarily have the budgets to have a full-time staff. Um, so um, working in that space is uh, very interesting and very involved. Awesome. Thank you so much for giving us a little insight. And uh, how about uh, Mark Thorsby? You want to you give us a little introduction for yourself? Sure. Um, 45 years ago, I got a degree in biology, <clears throat> which um, moved me quickly into uh, the association management profession because um, I wasn't really a really good student. But uh, over the last uh, over that career, I spent more than uh, uh, I worked with more than 300 boards of directors and nonprofits. Um, and have served as the chief executive of seven nonprofits. So I spend a lot of time interacting with the boards of directors and their chief staff officers. Awesome. Awesome. You know, one of the things that uh, I want to make sure that we hit on today is this concept of um, kind of three things. I want to focus on three areas. So, you know, I like threes, threes, the number three shows up everywhere. There's some magic to it, right? So the three things I really want to go through is, um, you know, why do we meet in person? 
when should we meet in person? And then how is that interaction, that experience going to change? So let's uh, let's start, if we can, just with um, this concept of why do we meet in person? And Thorsby, I know you've got, Mark Thorsby, I think you've got a, um, a good kind of foundation for us to think about why people do this. Yeah, well, it, it all revolves. I mean, just to, to, to sum it up, I, I, I posted a blog entitled uh, To Meet or Not to Meet. That's, uh, that's the question. Um, and, you know, as states begin to reopen and, and we're all going to be, you know, having more interaction with people, but we're still going to have to maintain social distancing. Um, uh, and so we're going to be challenged, I think, even when things begin to open up. Whether we whether we uh, whether we decide to meet, I really believe that the decision to meet or not to meet ultimately resides with the board of directors, and and establishing policies that relate to meetings. And why is that? Because I think the pandemic um, and this virus combined with meetings create an increased uh, uh, risk um, to nonprofits, uh, particularly if anybody comes to a meeting that you're having, even though it's legal. Somebody comes to your meeting, they contract the virus um, and, and have medical problems um, and lawsuits, in, you know, um, result. Um, I can assure you that the, the, the nonprofit's going to be named in that lawsuit. Um, and it will be important for you in, in that trial to be able to point to here are our policies with regard to face-to-face -face meetings, both in terms of our staff, but also for our members and stakeholders. I mean, we, 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 we meet face to face to do a lot of things, raise money, uh, make decisions, uh, enjoy each other's company. I think certainly a lot during the last couple of months, we've learned that we can we can accomplish much more of that than we thought we could have before this, um, this stay at home order kind of took over. So um, the, the real question is, once you're allowed legally to meet, then do you need to? And I think I think one question we, I hope we get into a little bit is. You can have a meeting, but what happens if nobody shows up? Because the headwinds that we're getting are not only government, but you're also now getting the headwinds from companies, uh, higher education restrictions on travel budgets. Um, I, I think we're all going to have to have a virtual component to every meeting that we have going forward. You know, the, the thing that's fascinating to me about this is as you kind of went through the why do we meet in the traditional things around, you know, fellowship and friendship and make, you know, acquaintances and transfer of information and knowledge and all of these things, that's all really great. And it, it, you know, goes to kind of fundamentally what we are as human beings. But I got to tell you, in the last two months, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm missing that much. I mean, I feel pretty good. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that we, we need a lot of this. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. Yeah, we're see, we're getting a lot of feedback from folks in the virtual environment that you know it's not so bad, and 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 you start thinking about just think about the number of people that are that are that are like software developers that are now creating software for virtual meetings. Uh, I, it's I think it's going to be an exciting time as we go forward to see the the new tools and technologies that are going to become available. Hey, Fitz, I know that um, you are literally living this uh, every day. What are you seeing from boards and what, what are folks kind of doing as they wrestle with this and they try to determine what they're doing with, you know, meeting or not meeting and, and how to kind of adapt to why we meet? Sure. It's very interesting, actually, because my company work with 10 different boards and uh, they, they kind of uh, vary by the, the board. Some are... Um, 
feeling very good about uh, first quarter meetings, live meetings, and are uh, pushing us to, um, you know, make plans, you know, stay the course business as usual. Uh, and some, some, many more boards though are really perplexed and they're asking us to develop several different um, backup plans, virtual components at every meeting. I agree 100% with Mark, they will be. Um, I've had, it kind of varies. Uh, the younger board members aren't necessarily as worried, uh, but uh, some of our senior board members, um, we were talking to one about, about uh, the biggest event of the year, which would be in the fourth quarter of this year. And one of our most senior board members is like, I'm not sure people are going to be really jumping at, chomping at the bit to get into a big room and sit there and like they used to. And then another interesting phenomenon is Actually, attendance at many of our meetings, because we've had to go virtual, is up. Hmm. Meeting for our board meetings or our executive committee meetings, because you're not having to drive somewhere. You're basically, you, okay, it's time to do this, just like I did. I clicked on my calendar, turned on Zoom, and here we are. I didn't have to drive somewhere. So I think people are liking that. Um, and I think that's going to be more of that going on as we continue. Normally, I'd have to drive from the suburbs of Chicago where I am to the city, you're looking at about two and a half to three hours of your day shot, just getting back and forth. Yeah. Uh, so now, now, you know, I, I have a meeting, I'm done, I'm back to what I was doing. So it's interesting. You know, the, the other thing, so what I want to know about is as you, so we, we talk about why we meet in person. Um, one of the things that I kind of wonder about for board members is, it, are you seeing, are you seeing any changes in the ability to get some of these things done, whether it's making decisions or sharing information? I mean, is, has it changed that experience at all from what you're seeing as you're doing this with boards? The only, the only thing that's been tough is uh, the boards have, several boards have asked us to prepare, you know, uh, high, medium and low performance for next year's budget. And because there is so much uncertainty as to what's going to happen. But as far as making decisions in a meeting, I'm almost finding that these virtual meetings are as effective, if not more. And I don't understand why, uh, but uh, they just are. And we're getting things done. And um, I'm taking notes on that because <laughs> I'm seeing how it does. It, some of these people respond very well to that. Yeah, well, and there are real concrete benefits, like you mentioned, right? Like if you can limit the amount of travel required to meet, you can Maybe you need to meet more frequently. That's okay. You can do that, and you can have a, a much more nimble response to to different situations, and and maybe in some cases, increase your ability to make decisions. Right? Yeah, and you know another interesting phenomenon is our more informed boards, our more active boards. You know, you can take two routes when when this whole thing happened. You can kind of sit back and wait for it to be over, then go back to normal, or you can say, "This is when our members need us," and yeah. that's kinds obviously the boards that I like to work with. And the fact that they've asked us, you know, keep that content coming. It's so much easier to put together a virtual event because you don't have any of the live event issues, costs. Uh, basically, it's <clears throat> finding the, the panels that you would want that you'd have to do anyway. But that live component is not necessarily there anymore. Well, it's not there anymore. So it's, it, it, we, we can produce many more very impactful programs this way, and we have. So it's kind of, it's very interesting phenomenon. So at some point there are probably things that you just can't quite do as well when you're not in person. And at some point, you know, being human beings, we're going to want to go back to face-to-face -face meetings. Um, Mark, 
uh, is there anything that you're kind of seeing in terms of like timing or like when should we, we, we should be considering doing that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's every board's going to, going to have this conversation. Um, but our, our coaching right now for, for boards is to not plan on an in-person event before the second quarter of next year. Now, you may, you, you, there may be some opportunities, there may be some treatments that come along, there may be a vaccine, who knows? And, and you may be able to do a face-to-face -face event before the second quarter of next year, but we're really encouraging folks to plan full virtual events through the first quarter of next year. And then, you know, perhaps, you know, add an in-person component to that. And, and again, just to reiterate, I, I think going forward, every event now has got to have an in-person or a, a virtual component to it. Mm. Either you're going to have people that are not willing to travel, um, or you're going to have people who are unable to travel. Um, um, and, and so you're always going to have to connect people virtually to even to in-person events. So um, this is, we, we've been working on this for, you know, I think as nonprofits, we've been, for at least five years. And I think this has just now accelerated the pace of change um, of how we're gonna handle events uh, going forward. That that aspect of keeping a virtual component to um, everything that you do, I think is fascinating. And I think uh, Fitz, you're seeing that obviously with the demand from your groups that you're working with in terms of virtual seems to be working and you're getting good attendance. Uh, you know, from my perspective, I think that this is like, this is almost in some ways what we needed in this space to push us to where we needed to be the whole time. I mean, yeah. it's <laughs> you have to like be where people are and be on that front edge and on that uh, kind of innovative yeah. side. Otherwise, you know, it, it, unfortunately, nonprofits have a history of lagging behind. But here we go. Right. Here's our opportunity. Here's our chance to kind of go forward. So I'm, I'm super excited for what this what this might mean for folks. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I am too, actually. Uh, yes, we're, we're very busy with virtual events planning and putting them on. We've put a ton and we have several more all the way through the new year. But what I'm seeing is uh, even traditional boards that have the get together once a year there. Um, and we just finished a four day one. The international groups like, can you please keep this virtual meeting open for us for future meetings? Because you know, travel nowadays is, I mean, it's going to get nothing but worse, right? Yeah. Um, it's going to be more backups at the airports. There's going to be more security, more health checks. Um, so they're saying, give us a chance to participate in this virtually. So that's, a, and then that surprised the board that, because they're like, good, we're all done with this. And next year we get back to normal. And when they're, they're getting a lot of positive feedback and asking, please keep this portion of it open for next year. Yep. Well, that, that, that takes me to the last thing I wanted to hit on for us uh, today in this episode is, is how is it going to be different, right? So like, like we've said, we will eventually, you know, meet in person again, but how is that going to change? And what do you think is going to be different about that? And really fundamentally, what's going to be different from a board perspective? What do I need to be thinking about? And what do I, what kind of questions do I need to be asking? Yeah, well, I, I, it's, it's clear that boards are going to have to stick their nose into the whole issue of health and safety of attendees. You know, we started, boards were doing that uh, in response to some of these um, um, uh, 
uh, active shooter situations, you know, where you have somebody comes into a convention and, and or a casino or something. So boards have begun to begin to address that. What happens with our conventions? And, you know, do we need to have armed guards at the doors and so forth? I think that, you know, now here we've got an invisible enemy, a virus, and, and uh, uh, boards are going to spend more time, I think, in contingency planning uh, going forward. What, hap- what do we do if? Uh, what should we do when? Um, I think it's also going to change uh, kind of a, the kinds of competencies that board members are going to be expected to bring to the table. I think it's going it's the need for critical thinking has probably never been stronger and it's only going to get more so going forward. I think uh, agility and nimbleness, you mentioned that, Matt. I mean, I, this, this is one more wake up call. We got to get faster at making decisions. Um, and, and certainly technology allows us access to the information and the data to help us make those decisions. And probably the third, and, and we've, we, I think we've talked about this in other building blocks live, um, is this whole notion of representing the members of your organization yeah. who who are the own, who who think and care about the organization like owners, as opposed to thinking about the members of your organizations who really behave like uh, customers, and and it's that you know staying focused on mission. You, we may have to adjust our goals, you know, in terms of our timelines and so forth. But I don't think nonprofits. Um, really need to back away from mission. Uh, I think there's some great opportunities going forward. And I think uh, boards of directors can really be the ones who lead the next the next evolution of your nonprofit. Um, it, it, and you're not going to be you're like, you're not going to get you're not going to be liked. You're not going to make everybody happy. Right. You got some tough decisions to make and they're not going to get any easier going forward. Uh, coming out of this. Um, we just we our boards are going to have to become much better in terms of their performance. Yes. Mark, I have a can I, can I ask Mark a question? Some says that just no. We have two different <laughs> types of boards. I'm taking over. Uh, we have two different types of boards. Ones that say that, yes, we want to have virtual events, but we don't want to charge for them because you know they're, they're substandard. And then we have other boards that are saying no, we we will keep the uh, you know the registration fees the same or close to. And because they're not spending anything on the travel, what are your thoughts on that, Mark? I and mean, have the people that have decided not to charge opened the Pandora's box, or what? What's your theory? I think all that's. I think that's temporary. I don't think that's permanent. I think that's a that's that's organizations attempting to uh, solidify their relationships with their members and stakeholders, um, even when uh, people are you know twenty five percent of our our workforce is now out of unemployed. Uh, so I think you got to be reasonable. I think. I think we've got some data to collect. I think there's some information that board members ought to ask their chief staff officers to provide in terms of what are the trends amongst nonprofits. Um, obviously, presenting program product and service at no charge is not a sustainable financial model. Um, so we're, we're gonna have to do something to uh, be able to monetize the programs, products and services that that are now gonna be presented in a virtual environment. And, and it's gonna be, it's just gonna be different. Um, I'm familiar with se- with several nonprofits that canceled the, the in-person event, went to total virtual. I had about two thirds of the attendees at the virtual event that they would have had at the uh, in-person event, and their registration fee was about 30% less. But they also saved a lot on the expense side. And to, and to your point earlier, Fitz, um, the members and stakeholders 
really enjoyed the, the virtual event. So uh, it's, 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 there's not a one size fits all. I think each board is gonna have to kind of work its way through the decisions because every organization is a little different. But I think board members do have the responsibility to, to, to take the leadership, uh, to, to provide some direction, but then to keep their fingers out and not to get into the mechanics um, of the virtual event or the pricing. Um, ultimately, they got to approve the budget. I got that. But in terms of the pricing strategy, uh, leave it to your professional staff to make some recommendations that you can act on. That's really that's really great counsel there, uh, Mark. I think the the interesting thing around that is like we all want to just like <laughs> we all want to just jump in, right? And 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 go forward and go forward and go forward. But it, this is a nice opportunity to like hold on for a minute. Yeah. Think about what we've been doing, like like you're talking about with these like events, right? Well, yeah, we've always done it that way. We think it's profitable. Maybe it's not. Maybe maybe there's a different model and maybe it's more profitable if we are more virtual and, you know, we cut expense by 70 percent and we grow revenue by 90 percent. Well, maybe it all it all balances itself out for us and we're, we're better for it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of nonprofits um, believe that their events are profitable. But when, if you were really to allocate the overhead and the staff expenses, um, so that you really get a sense of how much it costs. Most nonprofit events are break even or actual losers, mm. uh, financial losers. And so when, when you allocate the total expense across the board. Yeah, it's easy to, it's easy to just forget about staff time, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> you know, they're free. <laughs> right, right. You know, I, I also found something very interesting. I started my career in marketing and back in the back in the day, so to speak, you do an advertising campaign and it would be traditional TV and magazine and all that. But understanding how that really those dollars, the return on investment were crazy. Well, when the Internet came on, it was digital marketing. That's extremely trackable. Right. So that's why so much has switched over the Internet. Well, I'm seeing the same thing really with these virtual events. Because, yeah, you can always gauge, yeah, we had 350 people at the live event this year. You know, next year, the next year we had 370. That's great. But how engaged are they? And with the virtual events, you can see how engaged they are. You can see how long they listened. Uh, you can see what the average was. And th there's a whole new set of uh, statistics that we can provide our boards to say this is well, this worked or this didn't because we lost over half of our audience you know, a third of the way into the program or we no, they stayed all the way to the end. You I mean, other than, you know, counting people when they leave at a live event, it, it's very interesting to see these stats and the boards are like, really, my boards are looking at that and saying, this is very interesting stuff. It's keep it coming. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, um, this, this is like the, the hyper version of what you've seen over the last several years in terms of events where, you know, you're trying to do the RFID tracking and the tags of people as what, what education sessions are they going into? Where are they coming out? Where are they going next? Where, how are they tracking around my trade show floor? Well, this is, I mean, you have all that with, with none of the expense, right? No. So it's fascinating. Exactly. It's really is fascinating. That was a really great conversation. I always really appreciate the perspective between Fitz and Mark and all their different input with the boards that they have been a part of and are working with. And my biggest takeaway was really that it's not about to meet or not to meet, 
but more about the essence of the way we meet and how that's going to change. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. The the one true constant is change for sure. Um, and you know, right now, everyone is wrestling with very difficult decisions. Um, so if you have questions and could use a little assist in just figuring it all out, um, download our COVID-19 resource guide. What will your board do to respond? Uh, from our website, theboardbuilders.com. It's a great resource for you to kind of navigate some of this and uh, just one component of your toolkit as you uh, work through all of these challenges. As a board member, you know, you are part of a governing team working through tremendous challenges and opportunities, and we'd love to hear from you. Send us a DM on social media or email us and tell us what you've been up to and what questions you might have. As always, from all of us at The Board Builders, thank you for letting us be a guide on your journey to a better board experience.